15-year-old Michael Palmer was spending one of the very first nights of summer vacation hanging out with a few friends. The night would end tragically, however, when after a graduation party, Michael would disappear into the shadows, never to be seen again. A little over a decade later, and Michael's older brother, Charles Jr., otherwise known as Chucky, would also go missing. This is the tragic story of the Palmer Brothers. Hi, I'm your host, Missy, and I'm about to take you on a wild ride. Stories with plot twists, shocking endings, and unbelievable truths. Trust me when I tell you that this story is nuts. Fifteen-year-old Michael Palmer lived with his parents, sister, and his two older brothers in Wasilla, Alaska, a town of about 10,000 people and located about 43 miles northeast from Anchorage, Alaska. It was June 3rd, 1999, and Michael was ready to attend his very first high school graduation party of the year. Michael and three of his friends would sneak out of the house that they were supposed to be staying at to attend the party and drink some beers. Although Michael did drink some beers, his friends would later say that when they did leave the party, Michael was not noticeably intoxicated. The group would leave the party around 4 a.m. and it would be a nine-mile ride back on their bikes to the place where they were supposed to be staying, Dustin and Tommy's house. Soon the group realized, though, that Michael, who was riding a borrowed bike, would lag behind and they would lose sight of him. So they would stop at a 7-Eleven to wait for him. But when he didn't show up, they just assumed that maybe he went home. Around 11 a.m. the next morning, Michael's mom, Lisa, was beginning to get concerned. She hadn't heard from Michael and he hadn't checked in, which was very highly unusual. Lisa would call Dustin and Tommy's house and ask where Michael was. But the boys told her that Michael wasn't there and that he must have rode home in the middle of the night. Concerned now for her son, Lisa would call the police to try to report her son missing. Her concern, though, was only met with indifference when officers told her that he was probably just off drinking. Michael Palmer was eventually reported missing, though, around 3 p.m. that afternoon. Michael's borrowed bike was later found in the Little Susitna River, A pair of shoes matching the size and brand of the pair Michael had been wearing were also found about 200 yards from the river. The high-top Converse sneakers were wet and muddy and placed neatly together on a private airstrip. Fifty people would scour the woods looking for any other signs of where Michael could have gone. Search dogs were also brought in, trying to find his scent along the riverbank, but The dogs couldn't pick up anything. Though the bike was located in the river, police soon started to believe that Michael did not, in fact, fall in. The little Susitna River was clear and shallow, 
and only runs a mile downstream before running into a logjam. If Michael had somehow accidentally fallen in, he would have more than likely been found. Not only were the Palmer family suffering the tremendous pain of their son being missing, but then came the threatening phone calls. Some calls would be prank phone calls, while others would threaten the couple's two other boys, Chris and Chucky. A few months after Michael's disappearance, a boy around town started making claims that he witnessed Michael being beaten and then tossed off of a bridge on the night that he disappeared. Michael's father, after hearing the rumors, would accompany the witness to the police station. But when more questions were asked, the man would recant his statement. Michael's father was doubting the initial story that Michael's friends had told about the night he disappeared. And he decided he needed to help do something to find his son. He would hire two separate private investigators. One of them would leave shortly after she started because she had allegedly been threatened. And the other PI would uncover more rumors that Michael never actually left the party and that he was the victim of either a murder or kidnapping. Police would receive hundreds of tips, some stating that Michael had gotten to a fight at the party, others placed him at second parties, but these tips produced zero leads. Police would also interview a dozen people and administer polygraph tests, but all of the suspects that they had would pass with flying colors. This left no real answers for what actually happened to Michael Palmer. Michael's father would visit the corner of Pittman Road and Silver Drive, the last place that Michael was seen at 2, 3, and 4 a.m., and according to him, there was no way that his friends could have seen him riding a bike that late at night. It just would have been too dark. Chris, Michael's older brother, also doubted that the bike found in the river was the bike Mike was even riding that night. He didn't believe that it was. Either way, at 4 a.m. on the morning of June 4th, 1999, Michael Palmer was just plain gone. And sadly, it wasn't the only tragedy that the Palmer family would experience. In 2010, 30-year-old Chucky Palmer would go on a trip to the Talkeetah Mountains with his older brother Chris, his stepfather, and two friends. The group would spend their time at a cabin, enjoying themselves as they rode snow machines. Before their ride on April 10th, however, Chris's handle on his snow machine broke, and Chris, who would normally head up the rear of the group to make sure that no one got lost, would have to stay behind at the cabin. The rest of the men would go on a ride through the woods. Around 7.15 that evening, the group of riders who were returning from the woods on the main trail would soon become separated from Chucky, who was not an experienced rider and was riding a new machine. The group would wait at the cabin for Chucky's return, but when he never showed up, the group knew something was wrong. The following morning, Chris and the rest of the group would set out looking for Chucky, who, although he was dressed for the weather, did not have survival gear, a GPS, food, nor water. They would find the abandoned snow machine on a side trail, 12 miles from the cabin, but no sign of Chucky was found. Weather for the next few days would highly impact any search efforts, as 28 inches of snow fell and covered any tracks that Chucky could have left. <laughs> 
Even helicopters could only get up in the air some of the days, since the deep snow made it too difficult. After only five days, search efforts for Chucky Palmer were called off. In June of 2010, during the spring thaw, searchers returned hoping to find any trace of Chucky. But just like his brother almost 11 years before, Chucky Palmer was gone. Chucky Palmer was believed to have died of exposure out in the Alaskan wilderness and was declared legally dead in April of 2011, one year after he went missing. Chucky's younger brother Michael's case has never been closed, and he remains a missing person, though his father believes that he was more than likely a victim of foul play. Michael Timothy Palmer would be around 37 years old at the time of this podcast. He has brown, blondish hair and blue eyes. At the time of his disappearance, he was around 5'5", 5'6", and 110 pounds. The Charlie Project website that I will post a link to also has an age progression photo of what Michael might look like today. If you have any details on either Michael or Chucky Palmer's disappearances, please call the Alaska State Troopers at 907-745-2131. I cannot even imagine how terrible that would have been for that family. And just to have two brothers go missing a little over 10 years apart, that is absolutely crazy. And my heart completely goes out to that family. I can't even, oh, that would just, I don't even know. I I don't even know. Um, If you have a story suggestion for this podcast, if it is a personal suggestion or a personal story, I would love to hear it. It is this story is nuts at gmail.com. Also, follow us on Facebook. It is this story is nuts podcast. So, facebook.com, this story is nuts podcast. Join the group. We can talk about cases. If there's something that you want to talk about or a theory you have, I would love to discuss theories with you. So, join the Facebook group. Before I end today's show, I do want to tell you about um, it's a movie that just came out on CNN. And also on CNN Go, it's a movie all about Paul Joseph Franzak. The very first case that I covered on this podcast was about Paul Joseph Franzak. So if you would like to head on over to episode number one, if you haven't listened, you can hear that entire case or that entire story right now. And also watch the documentary that they just released on Sunday about him and now his his search for his missing sister, Jill. If you don't remember anything about Paul, I'll, I'll cliff note it right now for you. Paul Joseph Franzak, um, it's the story about a baby that was kidnapped out of a Chicago hospital. And two years later, they find a, a little boy on the sidewalk. And they really believe that the little boy they find on the sidewalk is Paul. So they bring him back. And he's raised by this wonderful family and they take care of him. But uh, his entire life, Paul thought he did not fit in. He didn't feel right. And of course, with some DNA testing later on in his life, he realizes that he was not the kidnapped baby out of the hospital. He actually was a part of a different family. But that opened up a whole other situation for him. So then he went on the search to actually 
find out who the real Paul Joseph Franzak was and also to find his missing twin sister, Jill. So I've been following this case ever since I've heard about it. Um, I heard about it actually a couple of years ago. There's a little bit of more headway, I guess. You know, now he's trying to get the word out and find his sister. So I will continue to follow this case. I hope that you do as well. And I will actually put a link for his website again in the source material. I always put the source material um, when I post a new podcast. But I will put the link to his website so that you can also watch. There's a nice little question uh, question and answer segment on there after the movie came out. So if you want to check that out as well. Okay, everybody. So another one final thing. I know I'm kind of blabbling here. One final thing before I say goodbye for the day. Uh, next week, I hope to have an announcement for you. So I'm going to leave you on a cliffhanger today. Next week, there should be an announcement. I'm excited. I hope that you are, but you're going to have to stay tuned until next Wednesday. And the all new episode of This Story is Nuts comes out on Wednesday at midnight. So next week, all new announcement. Stay tuned. And until then, stay nutty, my friends. This Story is Nuts is written and produced by Missy Reese with theme music by Logan Reese, off of Groovepad.